as the one who was the king, he also was the slave. As the one obedient to God, fully under God, he obeyed God's every command, and he accomplished God's purpose. Hello, everyone. This is Jake Martin with Christians on Campus. Welcome back to the Good Earth Podcast for another episode of our four-week series, Why Four Gospels. I hope everyone enjoyed their Labor Day weekend. I sure did. Today we will begin the Gospel of Mark. This book was written by Mark, also known as John. He was close to Peter and was probably with him continually, as seen in the fact that Peter considered him his son. Mark's Gospel is probably from Peter's perspective, who is with the Lord from the beginning to the end. It is written according to historical sequence and gives more details of the historical facts than the other Gospels. The entire Gospel is summarized in Peter's message in Acts 10. With that, here's Michael Boschlinger. This week, we come to the second Gospel in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. Before we dive into this Gospel, I'd like to just remind us of a few points that we touched last week when we were considering this question, why four Gospels? In particular, why do we have four accounts? And we began to see our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the most wonderful person. And as such a wonderful one, he needs these different angles to bring out all that he is. And so we saw from Matthew The New Testament brings us first to him being the king and how wonderful as a king he came so low and even he was so receivable. But we also saw those whom he came to did not receive him. They rejected him. But he, through his crucifixion, became so receivable. And so... We want to continue to see how he has made such a way for us, the sinners, to come to him. So in Mark, different than Matthew, it immediately brings us to our Savior's service. I'm just going to read the first verse. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You know, this matter of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is our Savior's ministry, his service. And particularly, what is outstanding about Mark's gospel is the Lord's deeds, how he served God. And in his serving God, he came to save man. As the king, he was under God's authority. He exercised God's authority as a man under God's authority. And as one who was obedient, he came forth to serve. So it's really striking that in this gospel, the gospel of Mark, there's no genealogy regarding the Lord. And there's no account of anything of his birth or his initial 30 years on the earth. But Mark brings us straight to his gospel service. And actually in this gospel, we are particularly brought to the fulfillment of some prophecies regarding the Messiah 
in Isaiah. You know, Isaiah is a wonderful book. It has 66 chapters. That's how many books comprise the Bible. And actually, you can see Isaiah is a miniature of the entire Bible. You know, there are 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament. You know, it's right at that juncture in Isaiah chapter 39 that we see the transition the Gospel of Mark immediately brings us to, which is the introduction of Jesus Christ was prepared by John the Baptist. And we see this in Isaiah's prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 40, we are brought to this wonderful verse that is recorded right here in Mark chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. And it says, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. That is straight from Isaiah 40, verse 3. It's amazing how the Bible was written. God brought to us his word through man who were one with him to record his speaking. This speaking was a unveiling of God, of God's purpose, of man, of God's purpose to fully be one with man. And in this, we have a wonderful revelation that really goes from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You cannot just extract one portion from the Word of God, but you have to receive it as the complete divine revelation. Okay, so we're going to dive in a little bit to consider how Mark shows us our wonderful Savior who came forth to serve, and he served as a slave. So we'd like to um, really bring out these two points this week. How the Lord Jesus, he, he was the slave of God. And also how here in this gospel, we see how we serve God. So I'm going to mainly cover this first aspect of the Lord being the slave of God. And then in part two, Danny's going to cover this aspect of our being saved to serve, which has everything to do with the foundation that was laid last week, that as the king, he came, and in his salvation to us as the king, we are saved from our rebellion, from our fallen condition. Oh, praise the Lord. I just have to praise my savior. Though I was fallen, though I was in rebellion, Jesus the king came to me, and he came to you. He came to us. And as we embraced him, as we received him, we got brought back to God as the unique, supreme authority in the entire universe. Oh, wonderful, wonderful Savior, Jesus, my King. And as those who are now under God's authority, we, we are able to come forth to serve him. And this is exactly what we see in, the, in Jesus as the one who was the king, he also was the slave. As the one obedient to God, fully under God, he obeyed God's every command and he accomplished God's purpose. So we need to really embrace the Lord Jesus as the slave of God. 
Hey everybody, this is Caitlin Sturgeon. Just wanted to pop in real quick and encourage you to download our new app, the Vine Campus app. With this app, you'll get an encouraging verse each day, a helpful Christian quote, access to all of our media in one convenient location, and updates for all our upcoming events. You can find the links to both the Apple Store and Google Play Store on our website at coc.churchinfairborn.org. Now back to Michael. So I'd like to read a few more verses from Isaiah that really bring out how wonderful our Savior is. So this is Isaiah. I'm going to first read Isaiah 42. And listen here. This is from the Amplified Version. Isaiah 42.1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. I will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not call out or shout aloud, nor make his voice heard in the streets. A broken reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will not harm those who are weak and suffering. He will faithfully bring forth justice. So this is really wonderful in the Lord's service. He didn't come to condemn, like it's, like it's mentioned here. You know, as uh, as sinners, we are, we're the broken reeds. We're the dimly burning wick. You know, we're we were created by God for his purpose. You know, uh, uh, this reed here is, is a musical instrument. But when it's broken, when it's bruised, it's not able to give forth the musical notes. Uh, or the, the, the wick is meant for lighting, showing forth to open up the light in the room. But if it's dimly burning, it's, it's kind of smoking. It just creates more, more, more obstacles in the room. You can't see because there's smoke everywhere. But the Lord didn't come and just break the reed. You know, that's typically what you would do. If the reed is bruised, it can't produce. You just break it, throw it away. Or if the, the, uh, the wick is, is just not burning, you just put it out. But the Lord in his gospel service, in his being the slave of God, he, he didn't come in such a way, such a cruel way. Actually, he came to recover us. He came to rescue us. So it's really wonderful as we even continue uh, in Isaiah to verse 7, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who sit in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved idols. This is so wonderful that as the slave of God, he came to open the eyes of the blind to bring out prisoners. That's you and I. You know, we, in our fallen condition, we're blinded by sin and we're imprisoned by sin. But the Lord has come to break, break the bonds that we could be released to serve God. Okay, so we're going to continue a little bit more with a few verses in... um, in Mark, so in verse 4, this is still chapter 1. It says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. So this was the one the Lord had prepared to prepare his way. He came, John the Baptist came preaching baptism of repentance. And I'd like to make a point here that's really interesting. The Lord in his, in his service... In his gospel service, he didn't do it apart 
from those who had gone before him. You know, there's a principle in the Bible regarding God's move. God has one move. His move is progressive. He is moving on. But there's never two moves of God. Actually, you see this so beautifully portrayed. Here you have God incarnate. The Lord Jesus was God becoming a man. And this man, he joined himself to John the Baptist because this is what God had done. God raised up John the Baptist to proclaim repentance, to prepare the way for the Savior. And in his preparation, so we come to verse 9, it says, And in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. So this really points to how the Lord was absolutely one with John the Baptist. John came forth to prepare his way. And in preparing his way, Jesus himself came and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And then verse 10 says, And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being parted and the spirit as a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my son, the beloved. In you I have found my delight. And then verse 12, And immediately the Spirit thrust him out into the wilderness. So I want to bring your attention to this word immediately. If you read through the Gospel of Mark, you will recognize this word is repeated quite frequently. And this brings us to how the Lord Jesus, as a slave of God, was faithful. He was faithful to carry out everything of God's purpose. And he did it as a slave. So in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, we see that the Lord, he, he came not to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom. So the Lord was faithful in his service even unto death. So this is, this is our this is our Savior. This is the one who rescues us, who delivers us, who affords us the opportunity to be saved from our sin. This salvation is through his giving his life as a ransom. He gave up his life that we could be rescued from our sin, that we could be brought back to God. So in these last few minutes, I'd like to go back to Isaiah, and I want to read a few verses from Isaiah 52 and 53. So here in verse 13, and this is from the Recovery Version Bible, it says, Indeed, my servant will act wisely and will prosper. He will be exalted and lifted up and very high, even as many were astonished at him. His visage was marred more than that of any man, and his form more than that of the sons of men so will he surprise many nations. So this is a wonderful picture, again, of our slave Savior. From the day that he came out to minister on this earth, the Lord acted wisely and prospered in God's pleasure. Oh, God's good pleasure was first that the Son would go to the cross and die for God's chosen people. Now, Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our sorrows, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, 
smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastening of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we have been healed. This really even unfolds the kind of death the Lord died for our redemption. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our sorrows. He was smitten of God. You know, we, we were the ones under God's judgment. Our sin demanded God's judgment. But he was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastening of our peace was upon him. Through his death, we now have peace with God. The penalty, the price was born by him. He died that we could be forgiven. What a savior. What a service. So let's continue. Verse six, and this is back in the Amplified Bible. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wickedness of us all, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing to fall on him instead of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth to complain or defend himself. Like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter and like sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. It was when God was judging Jesus on the cross that he caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, making Jesus, in the eyes of God, the unique sinner at that moment. Christ's death was carried out by God himself according to his law. Christ died a vicarious death as the substitute for sinners. A death that was legal according to God's law and was recognized and approved by God according to the law. What a death. Christ was oppressed. He was afflicted. He was led to the slaughter like a lamb before the shearers that we, the sinners, could be rescued, could be delivered, could be saved from our sins. What a savior, the slave of God, Jesus Christ. Michael's sharing there right at the end really reminds me of Philippians chapter two, where Paul describes how much the Lord was willing to empty himself to be the slave of God, who existing in the form of God did not consider being equal with God a treasure to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, becoming in the likeness of men, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, and that the death of a cross. That concludes part one of the Gospel of Mark. We will continue with part two on Thursday. Join us live on the Wright State campus in 044 Reich Hall at 2 p.m. And if you can't make it, don't forget to tune in to our next episode of this podcast. See you all soon.